Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we unpack the big political stories of the week. My name is Mike Siluma. My guests this week are Mawande Amashabalala, who's the Sunday Times political journalist, Fran Repkin, uh, the Sunday Times' legal correspondent, as well as Usbonga uh, Gonke Wawashoba, who is the Sunday Times politics editor. In our stories this week, we look at uh, developments at the Judicial Service Commission, where candidate judges for the Constitutional Court are being interviewed. Uh, we'll also shine the spotlight on Dutuli House, the ANC's headquarters, where tensions between the Top six leadership have increasingly come to the fore, particularly between the President Cyril Ramaphosa and the Office of the Secretary General. Also, our discussion will take us to the State Capture Commission, where the Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo continues his quest to unearth the truth of what happened to our country under the previous administration. This icon is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the VBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shift. Can you please come in? Uh, let's start with you, Mawande. You've been watching the State Capture Commission for us uh, since, you know, it started practically. Uh, there was more drama at the commission this week. Yes, yes, Pramak. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me and greetings to you and the rest of our colleagues. Uh, indeed, Pramak, we were reaching uh, towards the end of, of the Zondo Commission, as you said, which seeks to unearth. Uh, state capture, corruption, and fraud allegations in 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 government and state institutions during uh, the Zuma years. And and as you say, this week we had uh, Arnold Singh, who has become sort of a regular, understandably so, given uh, the affairs of ESCOM. In fact, he is still not done. And uh, we also had Guerreman uh, Dajo had to account on what exactly the NC did, and he was an appropriate person given that. He was the Secretary General during that time under the Zuma administration. And as we know it now, he's the National Chairperson of the African National Congress. I, I took particular interest in Gwede Mantashe's uh, testimony. Uh, for starters, for me, it was interesting that he tried very hard to sanitize Zuma's first term. And, and, and how I see uh, that attempt, which, of course, flopped when uh, uh, concrete evidence was presented to him because he tried in fact, if I were to quote him, he said it was a very successful time, the first time, which was 2009 to 2014. But when it was put to him that as early as 2011 and 2012, uh, the likes of Mbalula, when Mbalula confessed in front of the ANC National Executive Committee, it was 2011. Also, the media started reporting on how the Gupta family had hold on, on public institutions and government departments as early as 2011-2012, which uh, really, uh, you know, crashed that argument by Kwedeman Dasha that Zuma's term was the successful term. And he was trying to sanitize it because at the time, him, Kwedeman Dasha, and the former president Zuma, they were the best of parties. But of course, that didn't fly. But what particularly might have impressed ANC members in his testimony is how he managed to defend uh, the organization as it were, as it relates to how it constantly uh, defended Zuma. He took a very interesting uh, political argument that 
as an organization, much as they didn't agree with the things that were surrounding Zuma, the scandals of the Guptas and others, but because Zuma was the heart of the ANC, it was always going to be very difficult to remove him, especially at the behest of uh, opposition parties who moved the eight motions of no confidence against him, which the ANC defended and they ensured that he survived. He put quite a compelling argument there, a political argument at that, and he did say that it's neither legal or a technical argument, but it's a purely political argument that would have ensured the survival of the NC. He did point out that had they succumbed to the public pressure and the pressure of opposition parties at the time to take out Zuma via emotional no confidence, the ANC by now would be no more. And as we know with the ANC, it's still very much in shot. And he insisted that even now, the ANC will never take out his own president via a vote of no confidence in parliament. I found that to be very, very interesting, Mike. Okay, Let, let's go to the other uh, main character uh, who, who, who was supposed to arrive but never arrived. What happened there? Because, you know, just about the whole country was waiting to hear what she had to say. And then suddenly she wasn't going to say anything. Oh. Well, <laughs> but like, I, I doubt anyone knows exactly what happens uh, other than uh, Norma herself. It's very interesting because but Mike, uh, Norma was very looking forward and excited about this opportunity. You'll remember that actually he is the one who volunteered uh, to, to give this testimony. And the, the UTN was quite surprising to everyone. But I mean, for me, I would understand it. It's pure speculation. I'm not sure if that is a fact because you'll remember this is a father of her children, this is uh, uh, still her husband because I understand the separation is not finalized yet. Perhaps when she stepped back and started reflecting, she started to weigh the pros and cons of the move that she was trying to take. Was it worth it to throw uh, you know, the father of her children under the bus? I think it was a matter of when he, she started reflecting, then she began to see that perhaps this is not the best way to go. But the excuse that she gave, which I find more peculiar and very difficult to understand, is that the commission mishandled uh, her matter. But I don't understand why, because the commission was even willing to give her an opportunity to remember Malusi Kikaba, the former minister, had actually moved an application to try to stop her from testifying or have her testimony had, uh, be on camera. But if uh, the commission was still willing to give her the opportunity, that application had not been had yet, but the commission was willing to give her the, 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 the opportunity to testify, but she still cries that she's being yeah. treated, her testimony is being mishandled. I, I couldn't understand that. So as far as I'm concerned, it has got nothing to do with what the commission or how the commission has handled a testimony. I think it was a personal decision upon reflecting and uh, perhaps thinking about the consequences thereof, because of course, yeah. uh, Mr. Gigaba was not going to be pleased with the things that were going to be there, which are most likely to be true, given the proximity of the two as husband and wife, Pramak. Okay, just, just, just refresh our, our memory uh, uh, here, Mawandi. The, the commission, what, what is the commission's plan going forward now? Because, you know, some time back there was this, uh, this argument, not, not quite an argument, you know, the, the, the red flag. Uh, raised by by Tito Mboweni, you know, who said that look, the commission must now finish its work. You know, it's taken up enough time, enough money. So, so how much of of uh, of it still has to run? Mm. Actually, Bramak, that concern, I, I thought that concern is gone until yesterday, 
uh, well, until this Wednesday, because uh, the, the mission, now you remember that the commission recently, it was supposed to have concluded its work at the end of March, but it went to court and asked for a three months extension, which runs until June. And at the time, uh, the, the idea was that he finished the, uh, the oral he hearings by the end of March and have three months to compile the report. But we're already in April, and now the new idea was that at least by end of April, finish so that we have two months. But yesterday, when the Deputy Chief Justice Ramon Zondo announced that there is an amendment to the testimony of President Cyril Ramaphosa, which now takes, in fact, he's going to testify for the second time on the 13th and 14th of May. So it means the commission will actually run into mid-May, and we don't know what other witnesses are lined up for May, may actually even run up to the end of May. If that happens, then it leaves the commission with only a month to compile the report, unless that the report part of the work streams that have been finished, such as SAA, which was finished long time ago, unless that part is being compiled and all the other work streams are being compiled while all the oral hearings are continuing. I think that is the only way to save time. Otherwise, if that is not the case, I doubt much that a month will be enough to compile a report. It may well be that by the end of June, uh, the commission may have to approach the court once again and uh, apply for another extension. But as you said, as it relates to the finances thereof, may uh, begin to be a challenge given uh, the statement that you quoted by Tito Mwene that there is no more money to pump into the commission. And also the taxpayers are feeling that the commission now must really finish the work. People must begin to see the fruits of the three years that it's been in operation primarily. Oh, okay. Mawanda uh, Mashabalala, as usual, I would like to thank you very much for joining us uh, on the on the Politics Weekly. Uh, keep watching the commission for us. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you very much, Pramak, and thanks to other colleagues. Let, let's bring in now a, a friend Repkin, a, who uh, is our, our legal uh, correspondent. She has been watching uh, what has been happening at the Judicial Service Commission where two, two vacancies are, are being filled uh, on the Constitutional Court. Drama there as well this week? I don't know if I would describe it as drama. The Judicial Service Commission is always a little bit dramatic. <laughs> um, so it wasn't out of the usual. What happens with Constitutional Court... Um, appointments is it has it has its own special process under the constitution so the judicial service commission must give the president options and the the number of candidates it recommends must be three more than the number of vacancies so they had to give the president five names the next step and they've now done that the next step is for the president to choose two names out of those five so over monday and tuesday they were interviewing by the time it started, it was eight. First, we thought it was going to be ten. Then um, one candidate dropped out, and then on the morning of, on the afternoon of Monday, um, um, DJ Pileduaba, who had applied for the Concord and the SCA, decided he was just going to focus on SCA, and he pulled out of the Concord race. So then it became eight, and they were interviewed um, till late Monday night and Tuesday, and the shortlisting. Prost, the JSC then deliberated and gave the five names to, w from which the president will now make his decision. 
Before maybe we we go deeper into the the proceedings themselves, you know, for for the uninitiated, mm. the what, what, how is it constituted the judicial set? Because it confuses me. Sometimes I see politicians talking. Sometimes I see legal types talking. So what, how is it constituted? The JSC is um, set up in terms of the constitution, and its composition is determined by the constitution. So under the constitution, there it says that there must be the chief justice the President of the Supreme Court of Appeal, the Minister of Justice. Then you have someone representing the judge's president, which is the heads of all the courts. Then you have um, the president gets four people that he can choose to put on the JSC. Then you have people representing the advocate's profession, people representing the attorney's profession, one person representing law professors. That's the lawyers. Then on the other side, you have the politicians, which is MPs and members of the National Council of Provinces. With the MPs, at least half of them have to be opposition MPs. And that's how you see someone like Julius Malema sitting on the Judicial Service Commission. Mm -hmm. So that's how it's made up. But then what also confuses people is that that's when it comes to appointment of judges, when it comes to disciplinary matters. So judicial misconduct matters, for example, what we've seen with the tribunal finding in, in the case of uh, Western Cape Judge President John Lope. The, the politicians, i.e. the MPs and the members of the National Council of Provinces, are excluded from the JSC. And that's co colloquially called the small JSC. Now, the, the, you know, in, in, in other jurisdictions, uh, there is the thing that, uh, you know, particularly, for example, in, in America, they'll say, well, the president wants the, his own judge or he wants to pack, you know, the, the bench with the, the, the Supreme Court in their case, you know, with, with sympathetic judges, etc. Is there a possibility here? Does the president, can the president do that or not? It's, we don't have, we have a very different tradition of judging in South Africa on our constitutional court. We, the, I mean, I think you can say academics could look at judgments and say, you know, on on the issue of um, individual liberties, Judge X tends to veer towards this uh, liberal point of view. And on the issue of socioeconomic rights, Judge Y tends to go is more executive minded. But our 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 tradition of judgment writing in our constitutional court has never been about judges very clearly lining up as like a, you know, a, a conservative judge or a liberal judge or a Trump judge. You know, you do, we don't have that kind of thing. And one thing about our constitutional court is that no matter which president appoints judges, you will find that same judge will be delivering judgments against that president quite often during okay. the mm -hmm. um, as you saw with the yeah. Chief Justice Mokweng, people were worried when he was appointed that he was going to be a stooge of former mm -hmm. President Zuma but he certainly was not that. Yeah, yeah he turned out yes. to be anything but. Anything but. Yeah. But he um, has not stopped being uh, controversial from time to time. <laughs> this week he seemed to pull a rabbit out of the hat again. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the with, Chief with Justice... The, just uh, Daya Pillay? Yes, I, it was a bit of a moment during just, um, Judge Pillay's interview, which surprised us all. Um, what happened was she was interviewing for a post on the Constitutional Court, and we were all expecting her to get asked about her relationship with Praveen Gordhan because it was something that had been circulated on social media. I think it had been raised by opposition parties, particularly the EFF before, or maybe for coming from the supporters of Jacob Zuma, because remember, she was the judge who who issued the warrant for his arrest when he when he, he had that 
um, medical certificate that she was questioning. Um, so we were expecting that, and that did happen. Um, but what we, what sort of came out of the blue was right towards the end of her interview, the Chief Justice then asked her, he, he recounted an incident where after her, her 2016 interviews where she was up for the Supreme Court of Appeal, um, which she didn't make, um, he had had a meeting with the minister. With Praveen um, Godan. With Praveen Godan, which had been asked for apparently by Praveen Godan. And when he was recounting this story, he said he couldn't quite remember what the purpose of the of the meeting was, something to do with the tax ombud, he thought. But at the meeting, Praveen Godan had asked him, they had just announced who the the judges um, were going to be. And he had just said, he, he, um, Praveen Godan said something like, how did my friend Daya Pele do? Mm-hmm. And um, and the the kind of implication of it was that he was questioning whether the minister had sought to influence in any way or to influence the, her appointment in any way. But um, she was completely taken by surprise by the story. She knew nothing about it, which she told him and which he said, he said, I believe you. And then she asked for some clarity as to what actually happened. And she, he said that she said, so I, I had already been appointed by the stage. And he said, yes, you had, but he didn't know that. That's what he, he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, well, and it wasn't, he hadn't come there about me. And he said, no, he'd come there about something else. So she said, well, all I can say was that it was just a passing remark because he was saying that he is my friend and um, which no one, everybody knows and no one, you know. And then, but of course, as soon as that happened, because Praveen Godan is a politically... I don't know. He's that politician that that the EFF likes to. What's the word? Focus on in some yeah, way. Yeah, but broadly uh, speaking, mm, you know, you either like him or you don't like him. I guess he's like a I mean, polarizing kind of. Perhaps yeah. I, I'm not. His I, friends love him to death. His enemies equally. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, um, so immediately that interaction happened. It became a it became a thing, of was was he trying to influence. Um, the chief justice was he trying to influence the appointment of judges? Was it capture? And and it took. It, it, I think it, he came with his statement clarifying what had happened. Uh, I think maybe it was the next morning, where he said, "You know, this is. I went to meet him over something else. Um, the appointments had already been done, and I was just inquiring in passing. You know. Um, but I think by that stage, for Judge Pillay, the damage." was done already and she didn't get the nod. And a lot of people would ask, you know, before we go to the other issue that relates to, you know, to the to the to the concord, the the a lot of people, lay people might be asking, what was the relevance of uh, the Chief Justice raising that issue now? So how critical was it or how his the context in which he raised it was because what had happened in the interview was that she had twice been asked about her relationship with Praveen Godan. The first time she said she knew him for a long time. They went way back. 
She didn't say that they were friends. And then the second time she said they were friends. So it was like the chief justice was trying to get a handle on what exactly is this relationship. And he said that whilst he was thinking about that, this 2016 exchange that he'd had with the minister, had he had remembered it. Um, and that is why he was putting it to her. That's that's that was what how he mm. explained mm. it. I mean, obviously there are there are questions to be asked because it does it did kind of whether it was intended or not it did create a lot of questions in people's minds and there are questions to be asked because like like I mean one of the questions that everyone was asking was that why didn't the chief justice do something about it at the time if mm. it was a problem. You mm. know, there are all kinds of questions and we need to think about those as we mm. go forward. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because this was not just a neutral. A innocent statement without impact on the on the prospects of uh, Judge Bile being Bile's names being forwarded. You mean the Chief Justice's statement? statement. Yes. It's very hard to tell whether what impact it had because you know the JSC never gives reasons for its decisions. Okay. So we don't know. You'll see. You'll hear this question being asked. There'll be a big song and dance about a question. You don't know whether that actually impacted people's minds or not. So you can't tell. Um, and because it's because the JSC is made up of so many people, you don't know what influences each one of those people who sits okay. on there to vote which way they mm-hmm. do. But it did seem from where we were sitting as the outsiders, as the audience, as the public, that that exchange had a big impact on her, on that okay. interview. It right. felt like a big thing. Yeah. OK, let, let, let's go on to the other issue that relates to the to the Concord. Okay. Uh, Now we're filling two vacancies, but there's already a controversy brewing in relation to uh, Jacob Zuma's uh, likely punishment if he's found guilty of contempt. Yes. Um, The thing that exercised a lot of people's minds, and and you wrote about it, uh, is is why was the the Concord asking Jacob Zuma for input on his likely uh, punishment if he's found guilty? Yes, I mean, and when I when I when I when I wrote that piece, I I didn't I tried to steer clear of attributing any motives or what they were thinking because obviously I have no idea what they are thinking. All that I wanted to say is that it's not an unusual thing for that court to say after it has heard everything that can you please address us on this particular issue. Um, because what happens sometimes is that they'll hear a case and then they'll they'll realize that something has become yeah. more important than they mm-hmm. thought. The the strange thing about this one is that the question of sentence was something that was addressed at length by the commission. Um, I think the commission spent a good deal of its argument dealing with why it was arguing that the former president should be incarcerated, why that was the only appropriate sentence. And and then uh, there was another debate about the length of that sentence. And what, the, for me, what I, what, what I found difficult for the Concord, if I was in the shoes of the Concord judges, what I would find difficult is that, you know, when we talk about Audi alterum partum, the, the main reason why we we want people to be heard, why we want both sides to be heard is to be fair to both sides. But there's another reason, which is that it helps justice. If you are making a decision, you are more likely to make a better decision if you've heard both sides. It's much easier to get things wrong 
when you only hear one side. Now you're sitting there as the first court to hear this matter mm-hmm. and the last court to hear this matter. No other court can, be, they can't appeal, right? Not only that, but this is an unprecedented case. There's never been a court that's had to deal with the same facts. The constitutional court can't say, you know, in this case, this is how they did it. And now we can look this at this and get some guidance. Yes, there's, this, there's, yeah. I mean, there's cases on contempt, hmm. but in a situation like this, there isn't. So, so that's the second thing. The third thing is, is that incarceration is one of the biggest limitations to a person's rights. Um, and so putting someone in prison is a very big deal. It's not something that you can ever give back to a person. You can't, even if you put someone in a prison for a day, you can't give that day back mm-hmm. to them. Mm. You can't make that wrong right if but, it turns out to be a wrong. Yeah, but, but some, some people might say, look, you know, Jacob Zuma is not just a, an, an ordinary person. He's actually behaved in ways that, that are almost challenging and defiant and daring you know, the court to do a whole lot of things. And he said very uncomplimentary things about the court and the process and the justice system. Some layperson might say, well, you know, why not send him to jail? Well, so one of, one of the things is, one of the things I found interesting about that whole debate and the noise around that thing, yeah. that issue was that on the one hand, people are like, why are you treating Zuma different or better? And then when you say, but this... Let's just t- let's say it wasn't Zuma. Let's just say it was anyone, right? These are the situations. Like, but he's not anyone. He said this to the court. So you can't have it both ways. Yeah. The the constitutional court has to. It has to separate itself from the noise. No matter how much Zuma wags his finger, uh, thumbs his nose, I should say rather, at the constitutional court, its job is. It's not an adversarial relationship with Zuma. The commission is. That's okay. they are the arbitrator. Okay. They've got to do justice. Mm-hmm. The co- the con- co- court judges. And I think that yes, it's true that you know the 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 argument on the other side, which is also a fair argument, I must say, mm-hmm. is that he had his opportunity. He all along the line. All along the line, he had every opportunity to go there, and he chose not to go. So you can't keep giving someone what they have already been offered yeah, and they've yeah. decided not to. So okay. that, I, that argument is a fair argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, as we've seen just yesterday, even this other opportunity, he's thrown away. He's not addressed them. He's not mm. given them any. Yeah. Is there a timeline to all of this, Efren? Um well, it was an urgent case, and so urgent cases normally are supposed to be faster. But there isn't a time. I can't say to you the judgment will come mm-hmm. out by such and such yeah, a time. Yeah, so 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 they'll announce it when they are when, when they they're are, ready. When, when, yeah. when they are ready. Okay, please please keep uh, an eye on that for us. I'm sure we will talk to you again about it. <laughs> Let, let's bring in now uh, you, You've been listening patiently to all the political and legal. Uh, shenanigans, you know, that have been going on in the week. Uh, if let me ask you this uh, to start with: If you were Cyril Ramaphosa, president of the ANC in Lutuli House, uh, how comfortable would you be to have your secretary general's office occupied by either Ace Mahashule or Jesse Duarte or both? Uh, thank you so much, uh, Pramak, for inviting me to the show. Um, yeah, I'll be very much uncomfortable. Um, but I, I, I think with the latest developments taking place now, 
Um, Cyril Maposa looks to be in a, in a bit of a more comfortable place um, uh, because uh, the, the NEC meeting that took place two weeks ago um, took uh, very important decisions. And one of those decisions was that um, people who are charged with corruption or serious crimes should step aside within 30 days. And now we're only left with about um, uh, two weeks. And uh, Esma Khashule uh, is is uh, is is left with with only two weeks to to to, to step aside or, or or face disciplinary action. We know that he is um, he has said that he'll take this time to consult, and uh, we know that um, on Wednesday he met with the with the former treasurer of the ANC, Mr. Matthews Posa, and we know that um, on Thursday um, he, he met with the President Jacob Zuma. Uh, so. We are nearing the, to, we are walking towards the end, if I may put it that way. But there are, there are developments that, uh, as I said earlier, that put Sir um, in a very comfortable position. We know that in that NEC, Esma um, Khashule uh, 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 lost a few friends, uh, people that they thought were in their corner, and they got into that meeting, then they realized that those people are actually um, have deserted them. They're now on the on the opposite side. And we this week, uh, the beginning of the week, we saw the the, the, the former minister of water affairs, Nomvula Mokonyan, someone we thought that was on um, Isma Khajula's side, coming out during uh, an interview with a television station saying that people who are charged should step aside. And we saw with the statement of the NWC, which is the National Working Committee, coming out um, uh, on 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 Wednesday to contradict. A letter that Makashule had written, and uh, on Thursday, Pramaik uh, um, uh, Jesse Duarte came out and and and, and blamed the Ace Makashule's people for the leaks uh, of, of of audio that from the NEC meetings, and then and, and she's saying that the NEC if it has taken a decision that uh, people must step aside in 30 days, they should step aside, and and, and if they don't, um, the NEC constitution will kick in, which means that uh, disciplinary charges will have to. Mm. to be laid against um, whoever doesn't step aside. So so what, what is there? Because there was a bit of, of confusion about who, you know, in terms of who must step aside, that, you know, whether it is people who have actually been charged in a court of law or whether it is those people as well as others that you know, against whom a whole lot of, you know, general allegations have been made. So has that been finally put to rest as to who's expected to step aside. Is that um, National Working Committee statement that came out um, um, on Wednesday afternoon like, that really um, clarified the issue? Uh, because the, the letter that was um, uh, written by Esma Khashule to provincial secretaries or, uh, or last week, Friday, um, uh, spoke about um, uh, people who have allegations or reports of allegations of corruption and it, it, it just widened the scope so much that you wouldn't have anyone left within the NEC if everyone was to was was to step aside based on that. And, and, and we've always been told that this is the strategy that Ais Makashule is going to employ uh, when he fights uh, when he fights back. He's going to say that uh, I'm not the only one. And and, and Jesse Duarte actually on Thursday uh, during a an interview with EWN spoke about that. He spoke about that the, the people um, who are supporting Isma Khashule want to 
to take the ANC down with them. And, and, and the, the, he, she spoke about the Samson approach that the people want to take, the people who are, who are going down want to take the ANC down with them. So that, so that was the strategy. So it, it, was, it was really um, um, uh, 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 a significant development uh, um, yesterday on Wednesday when the, when, when the NWC released a statement to clarify matters to say, no, the NEC decision is clear. Only those who are charged with corruption and serious crimes um, must step aside. And in the meantime, uh, Ace Mahashule is going around uh, consulting in inverted commas? Yes. So <laughs> I wish I was a fly on the wall in, in whatever room they were uh, meeting in Gandla, the Pramaika, uh, because he has already met with uh, the Treasurer General Matthews Posa, and, and the meeting with Zuma uh, taking place on Thursday today. Um, it would be very interesting to what he told Zuma, and uh, but what's more important is what Zuma told him, what Zuma advised he must do. Um, uh, that that will that will make for a crack of a story. Please do keep an eye on 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 that story, uh, uh, Mr. Shoba, and we will will be talking to you again soon. Thank you so much, Brian. Folks, that's all we have time for uh, on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly this week. Uh, and I'd like to thank my guests, Umawande uh, Amashabalala, Ufriend Repkin, as well as Usmongagonke Shoba. And by the way, uh, you can catch our podcast on Iona FM, Spotify, Google Podcast. Apple Podcasts, or whenever you like to get your podcasts. Until next time, stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. I'm Mike Siluma signing off.